0: I want to begin with a lesson, Brother Brad has already told you the title, A Great Cloud of Witnesses, and I want to begin the lesson with just a few verses that I would like to read from the 12th chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. That is the first four verses of Hebrews chapter 12. Now, throughout the 11th chapter of Hebrews... We are told of those who, by faith, obtained a good report, some of them having even endured bitter persecution. Uh, And these verses that I have read from the 12th chapter of Hebrews, along with what is recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, in this lesson, I would like to spend my time talking about two main points, one being that it is absolutely necessary for us as God's people that we live by faith. The Bible tells us the just shall live by faith. The Apostle Paul said, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And so it's crucial that we live by faith. And also, it's very, very important that we know our history. Amen. The past is important. Uh, you know, you've probably heard it said by many people, well, you can't live in the past well, who made that rule? I mean, I know that literally we can't do that, but I believe that there are some ways that we can, and uh, I hope to be able to explain uh, what I'm saying as this goes on. But in this lesson, uh, I'm going to be making mention of several different people. Some of them uh, whose names are recorded in the scriptures, some of them whose names are recorded uh, elsewhere. But I want to say this, that uh, before I begin to mention the different people that I uh, intend to talk about today, I want to say that I believe that if you look through uh, These scriptures that I have mentioned, what's recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, and what verses I read from Hebrews chapter 12, I do certainly believe that the most important instruction given to us in this is that we are to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. No Body ever gave us a greater example than what he did, and uh, i uh, <clears throat> i really uh, you know I hate to disillusion all the nFL fans, but you know Tom Brady is not the greatest of all time. Amen. Jesus has owned that title uh, all throughout the years, Amen. and he he is the greatest. And so we are to look unto Jesus. Nobody else is the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, I'm going to mention, Lord willing today, some people that have uh, given us great examples, but nobody else is the author and finisher of our faith. And nobody ever suffered the way that Jesus suffered. And so we are to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The aim of the lesson, my objective is this, and and this came to my mind uh, a while back when I was uh, studying some of our Baptist history, and... uh, The objective today is to encourage the study of our spiritual ancestry. I believe it's really important. Uh, I I think that, you know, certainly the most important thing for us is to have a good knowledge of the Word of God. But I believe as uh, men that God has called into the ministry that there are things that we need to know that go beyond the Scriptures. There are other writings, and I'm thankful for what Brother Compton said today, and I was thankful to hear what Brother Chandler said today, uh, that he was uh, the church where he pastors, that he was teaching uh, some things concerning our church history, because I believe... It's extremely important for us to know and, and for us to share uh, with those to whom we preach. And, uh, you know, if, listen, if we don't believe that history, if we don't believe that having a good knowledge of history is important, then what the Hebrew writer was doing here Didn't mean much, did it? Because that's exactly what he was doing. Uh, He was sharing with these to whom he wrote uh, examples of their own ancestors and what they had accomplished by putting their faith in God. If I'm not mistaken in this... Uh, in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, I believe that there were 16 people that he mentioned by name, and then towards the end of that chapter, chapter, he just spoke in more general terms. He just said, uh, you know, the prophets, women, and others. And uh, the most most important thing is not that he mentioned some names and didn't mention other names. The most important thing that he was telling them was what these people saw and what they accomplished by trusting in the Lord. And we still today, we need to live like they did. And so this was, uh, I believe, the great cloud of witnesses that he was talking about. Now, this word witnesses, and uh, it's found in other places throughout the New Testament writings. Most of the time in the English Bible, when you find the word witnesses, not not every time but most of the times uh it was derived from the same word in the original language and actually uh there are three places in the new testament two where you find the word martyr one where you find the word martyrs plural and all three of those uh were derived from the same Word in the original language that witnesses was uh, taken from in most places where you find it spoken of. Now we think a lot of times uh, when we think of witnesses, probably our uh, our mind goes to uh, maybe the courtroom. You know, we may think of uh, a witness being somebody. Who is called forth to give evidence of maybe uh, you know someone who's being defended or someone who's being prosecuted, and they may call uh, forth their witness to to you know to give an account of the things that they may know about uh, whatever the person is on trial for, but, uh, you know, the way that that is looked at, the way that that word is used, uh, you wouldn't be able to do that with the people spoken of in Hebrews chapter 11 because if somebody said, well, I would like to call Moses to the witness stand you'd have to say, well, he can't come. Well, why not? Well, he's dead. I mean, think about it. These people, all these people that were mentioned that the Hebrew writer spoke of as being a great cloud of witnesses, they were already gone from the world. And I think to make uh, the point... Uh, to restate the point that uh, Brother Compton was making, that if what should be done is done, if records are kept and things are written, then obviously, if we look at what happened here in the 11th and 12th chapter of Hebrews, then obviously people who are dead... Uh, people uh, of God, the saints of God who serve the Lord, even when they're dead, can still be witnesses. Amen. I mean, that's, that's what was happening here. These people that he spoke of as being a great cloud of witnesses, none of them at the time of the writing were alive. But their examples were used, uh, you know, like, like Abel... Being dead, yet still speaking. And so, you know, that's, that's a very, uh, one of the very important reasons I believe that we uh, have as much knowledge as we can of our, uh, of our spiritual forefathers. I want to read uh, something that, there's a man named James Beller that wrote a book Entitled America in Crimson Red. And he expressed this thought, I I felt like, uh, as well as anybody could. He said uh, in the introduction of his book, he said, No historian is able to give the facts alone. I say the historian cannot hide his heart. For if he does, he becomes the reason the reader is disinterested. I cannot divorce myself from the fervor of our historic testimony. Listen, I pray you will feel the same. I knew what I wanted from the experience of our five years of research. I wanted the testimony of our forefathers to transform my own life. I wanted to thirst for God like them, to preach with fervency like them, and for God to use me in like fashion. I also wanted to search for our distinctives and discover how our people Maintain them through the years. Now, what he wrote there, and as the way that he expressed his desire in what he wrote, uh, I'm convinced that that was exactly the mindset of the Hebrew writer. He did not want uh, those, when he wrote about these people... He didn't want those who read about them to just simply know the facts. He wanted them to be encouraged and, and to have a greater zeal based upon reading about them. Just like, uh, just like Beller said, he, he wanted these things to change him. He wanted these things to fire him up and to uh, give him great zeal. Now, I I believe that that's proven if we consider the verses that I read in the 12th chapter of Hebrews. You know, after after reading about these people and, and what God did in their lives by faith, he, he says in the 12th chapter, wherefore seeing, which connects the two, wherefore seeing in view of this, in view of the fact that we are uh, compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Let us look at what they did and use that to encourage us to do the same thing that they were doing. I want to I say this. <clears throat> If you are a student of church history, like I am, and that's what I consider myself to be, a student, I I mean, I try to share with others what I read, but I consider myself to be a student of church history, and I'm going to give you uh, just a little piece of advice that was given to me years ago. I believe the year was 1983. I was driving down the street in Virginia with Brother Jerry Reynolds, and I had began to try to learn about the Baptist of the past, and he was talking to me about that. And he said, when you read something that really gets your attention, make sure that you make note of it somehow that you will be able to recall where you read it. And I said, okay. (laughs) And uh, still today, I wish I would have done that. (laughs) You know... Hindsight really is twenty twenty, and I, I found out, and have found out, and do find find out more and more all the time that that was really good advice. Uh, maybe you will do that. I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you how many hours I have spent honestly because I didn't listen to that. You know, knowing that I had read something somewhere. And and going through book after book after book until I finally found it again. And if I would have just done what he said, I would have been okay. Uh, I love you, Brother Reynolds. Thank you for being my friend all these years. I want to say this, too. I, I want to make sure that this is understood. That... No matter how great the examples. We look at at people in the Bible. We look at people on the pages of other history. We look at people and we consider them to be great men and women of faith. But I'm telling you, they were people just like us. And they saw the things that they saw, they witnessed the things that they witnessed and they could be witnesses to us because of what God did in their lives and to God be all the glory and all the praise for everything that was accomplished among them and perhaps has been or will be accomplished among us because uh, if we don't trust in God, we're not going to get anywhere. Two things of great contrast in the scriptures are this. Jesus said to his disciples, Without me, ye can do nothing. Paul wrote to the Philippians and said, I can do all things through Christ. And so we are totally dependent upon the Lord. uh, And we're going to have to be that if we're going to, you know, if we're going to see good things happen. Now, so I'm I'm very thankful for those... uh, Great witnesses, the great cloud of witnesses that the Bible tells us about. I'm thankful for those that were mentioned in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. But I'm going to say this that I'm convinced that that was not where the cloud of witnesses stopped. I believe that throughout time, there has been an ever-increasing great cloud of witnesses. And, uh, you know, the Bible will only take us to a certain point. And if we're going to learn about people beyond that, then we're going to have to read some other things. Now, uh, I will say this, that there's, you know, there's, there's no, there's no writings as good as the Bible. But there are other things that have been written that I believe uh, God has watched over them. And for the most part, they are fairly accurate. You may find a few little things here and there. But I believe that there are some things that have been written uh, concerning our Baptist forefathers that are very accurate. I want to say this. I thought about this earlier today. It can benefit us in two ways. It can help us by reading the great things that God did among them, the great things that that they accomplished. And it can also help us when we see their mistakes not to make the same mistake. And I, I want to give you an example of that that I thought about. Uh, if the Siloam Association is scheduled to meet this October at Lyons, and if I'm ever at an association meeting where they, where it is decided among the messenger body, that really the office of apostle never ended and that we should ordain somebody to be an apostle, I'm going to stand up and say, no, we shouldn't do that because in 1774 in the Southern District Association in Virginia, they tried it and guess what? It didn't work. It didn't work. They decided that, you know, Hebrew or Ephesians 4 and 11 wasn't, you know, he gave some apostles and some prophets that that, that should still be uh, present in the church today. The problem was, I think when they ordained Brother Samuel Harris to be their apostle, they came back and found out he really didn't have the gifts. Can you imagine that? So they un they undid what they had done. Uh, these names that uh I've spoken of, these that were mentioned there in Hebrews chapter eleven were Old Testament saints. It spoke of Enoch, it spoke of Abel, it, it spoke of Abraham and Sarah, it spoke of Moses. It it mentioned, as I said, several names, and then it mentioned others, just the prophets and others, old people who lived in Old Testament times. But we also know that there were people who are spoken of in the New Testament writings that had just as much faith as they had, and they're certainly a part of the cloud, in in uh, Acts chapter 15, in verses 26 and 27, Paul and Barnabas are spoken of as men who hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 12, 11 tells us of those who love not their lives unto the death. In Philippians 2, chapter 25 through 30, the apostle Paul in writing to the Philippians, he wrote concerning a very sick man, a very sick friend of his named Epaphroditus. And, he's, and it says, who for the work of Christ was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply their lack of service toward him. And I want to say this. These people... Lived their lives by faith believing that Christ was more important than their own lives. They were not dissuaded by persecution. They were not dissuaded by imprisonment or illness. They marched on as good soldiers of Jesus Christ despite all these hardships. And when I think about it, there's a question that comes to my mind. You can answer it yourself. You can ponder this in, in your own heart. Are we like them? Are we? I hope so. This past couple of years has been pretty weird, hasn't it? I'm going to get in trouble. I won't be anything new. I know what was done. I know what's happened here in the last couple of years. Uh as far as I'm concerned, it will suit me just fine if we never call off another church service Amen. over a virus. Amen. That would suit me just fine. You know, I mean, people have said, it's dangerous to go. Well, let me tell you something. You you don't have to read very far to learn that 2020 wasn't the first time that it ever became dangerous for God's people to assemble. I mean... You know what? I heard people talk about they were concerned that, you know, somebody might get this and die. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, God's people lived uh, that way for many years, that if they assembled, they might die for doing it. You can say, well, Brother Miller, you're not really talking about the same thing. Well, not exactly, but you know what? I mean, I don't really see where it would be worse to die from a virus than it would be to get your head chopped off. Neither one of them is really all that good for you. Uh, I'm telling you, when I'm talking about this great cloud of witnesses, I'm talking about people who were not going to stop Living for God and serving God no matter what came their way. It didn't make any difference. You know what? Paul didn't write about Epaphroditus and tell him, well, you're not being very responsible with your health. No, he praised that man for pushing on even when he was too sick really to be doing it. Whatever happened to this concept? To live is Christ. To die is gain. We're not supposed to be governed by fear. The Bible tells me. That we are not to forsake. The assembling of ourselves together. And you know. It doesn't say. At least in my Bible it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, Hebrews chapter ten twenty five does not say not forsaking the assembling of yourself together unless it's dangerous. It doesn't say that. Amen. It just says that we are not to forsake it. Amen. Yeah. And so, you know, what's done is done. What's over is over. But it would suit me just fine if we never do that again. In Acts 20, in verses 22 through 24, Paul said to the elders of the church at Ephesus, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Amen. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, I'm confident that all of you brethren here today, uh, that you are Familiar with Abraham. You've read about Abraham. You've read about Moses. You've read about King David. You've read about Gideon, about Samson, about Abel, about Enoch. You've read about these uh, that are mentioned in the Bible. But what about those who live their lives by faith like these people did beyond Bible times, whose names you're not going to find recorded in the Scriptures. And, you know, I I I want to ask you how familiar you are with those. I'll tell you what I find. And I'm not, there again, understand this. I'm not trying to compare the writing of historians to the scriptures i'm not trying to make them equal i believe the bible's the greatest book ever Amen. but i'm going to tell you when i when i study the history of our baptist people i believe that i read about people that lived beyond bible times that had just as much faith in god as those written of in the scriptures I mean, they lived their lives with the same conviction that the apostles did. I believe that's proven to us. I want to I share some snippets with you, and that's all that I've really got time for. I want to jump way over a whole bunch of years, and I want to share some things with you that really are not in our too far distant past things that took place here in the early years of America. There was a Baptist preacher. His name was Robert Baylor Simple. He was born January twentieth, seventeen sixty-nine in Rosemont, Virginia. He died in Fredericksburg on Christmas Day, eighteen thirty-one. He was saved in 1789, and he united with Upper King and Queen Church. He was ordained to the fore of the ministry on September 26, 1790. And at that time, he became the pastor of Brewington Church there in Virginia, Brewington Baptist Church. He served that church as pastor until his death... Which his pastorate lasted a little over forty years. Now his mortal remains are in the cemetery, in the Brinkton Cemetery, right next to the church building. And uh, among many other accomplishments, he published a book in eighteen ten. Wrote a book in eighteen ten entitled "The History of the Rise." and Progress of the Baptist in Virginia. And I want to share with you just a few things that he wrote concerning some things that our early Baptist forefathers faced in Virginia in colonial times. He wrote an account of four preachers in 1771. Their names were William Weber, John Waller, James Greenwood and Robert Ware they were arrested there was a warrant for their arrest and they were apprehended now these men hadn't stolen anything or they hadn't killed anyone or they hadn't been guilty of any other type of mischief they were arrested because they were preaching the gospel that's why they were in jail They were offered, a, they were offered uh, this as a way of release. They were told, stop preaching and you can be free. Well, they didn't. They refused the offer. They were sent to prison. And this is what Simple recorded in his history about it. He said the prison swarmed with fleas. They borrowed a candle from the jailer. They sang praises to God. They gave thanks that they were just in a prison and not in hell. They were glad they were saved. And then they laid down and they went to sleep. Sound familiar? sound a little bit like what happened to Paul and Silas. Amen. You know, in in the jail, they praised God. Amen. They were they were in the, you know, Paul and Silas were in the inner prison. It was nasty in there. And they praised God. They they sang praises to God. And uh you know, you know the end result, somebody ended up getting saved. Well, these men not only, keep in mind, this is not that many years ago. When you think about the history of the world, this is not that many years in the past. Amen. Think about this, that these men, when they were offered to be, you know, when they had the uh, chance to be set free, if they would just keep, keep uh, quit preaching, they didn't only turn that down, but when they put them in jail, they still preached. They were in there doing, in the jail, what they were put in jail for, for in the first place. They were not deterred. They gave notice that they would preach every Sunday and Wednesday. And the persecutors found that the imprisonment of the preachers tended rather to the furtherance of the gospel. They preached regularly in prison. Crowds attended... The preaching seemed to have double weight when coming from the jail. Now, <laughs> I've heard a lot here the last couple of days about how we, we want to see the gospel go forth. Oh, we want to see uh, the gospel find its way into people's lives. Well, what about if it has to go forth in jail? I think that's the way they looked at it. May not be the way we do, but they did. I believe they were part of this great cloud of witnesses. I'm glad that we can read about them today. Brother Compton, I'm glad somebody wrote it down. You know what? I went to Brother Semple's grave. Some of you here, I know Brother Justin has been there. And when I stood there at his grave, I'm going to be honest with you. I felt a great sense of gratitude for his contribution to the cause of Christ. I went to Lewis Craig's grave. He's buried on a farm. Lewis Craig, another one of those old Baptist preachers that was in prison, put in jail several times, mistreated for preaching the gospel. I went to his grave in a little place called Minerva, Kentucky. Wasn't real easy to find, but I believe God helped me find it. I stood by his grave. And I felt a great sense of appreciation for the ministry that he had. I went to uh, Absalom Waller's grave, had to walk across a big farm field in Virginia. Absalom was the second pastor of Waller's Baptist Church. He succeeded his uncle, John Waller, there, went to his grave Uh, Brother James Shoulders and I walked across uh, a big farm field to this little thicket out there, uh, and I felt a great appreciation there when I visited that. Brother Justin's been there also. I went to Brother William Hickman's grave, one of the earliest preachers in Kentucky. I went to his grave. He's buried right next door to John Gando, their neighbor's. They're buried right next to each other in Frankfort, Kentucky, went to his grave, felt the same thing, having read about their ministries and the contribution they made uh, to the early years uh, of uh, the gospel here in this nation. I don't, I don't really get a high from going to graves. I'm just really appreciative of what they did. Amen. And that's why I wanted to go. I want to read. Uh, I'm not going to get through all this because somebody is too stubborn to turn off the clock. Uh, I got a lot of stuff here they might be interested in, brother. (laughs) Bethlehem Missionary Baptist Church, not far from here, believed to be the oldest. Of our churches in Allen County. A man named, a Baptist preacher named John H. Spencer, wrote the history of the Kentucky Baptist. And this is recorded in Bethlehem Missionary Baptist Church's history. They did this, they passed three resolutions, their church, I'm going to read them, resolution one, that we congratulate Elder Spencer on his success and hereby tender to him our thanks for his energy and perseverance manifested by him for the past 19 years in procuring preparing, and publishing said history. Resolution number two, that we endorse said history so far as it has been examined and recommend it to the Baptists everywhere as correct and a history of great interest. Resolution number three, that a copy of these resolutions be forwarded to the Western Recorder for publication a copy forwarded to Elder Spencer and a copy entered on our church book to show, listen, to show the appreciation we have for Elder Spencer for being the means of laying before the readers of said history many items of the history of the pioneer Baptist of the state that would have been forever lost to the present and future generations. Done by order of the church at the March meeting, 1886, E.H. Reed Clerk, T.J. Hamm, Moderator Pro Tem. I love our people. But I'll tell you the truth, I wish we still had the appreciation that they had less than 150 years ago. I don't think we do. I don't think we're seeing it. I mean, for them to do what they did as a church to show how much they appreciated the research and that that he had written. Now, I want to I share something else. That clock says time's up. But I want to share something else. Let me just say this. If you have enjoyed and appreciated the freedom of religion... That you have had throughout the years of your life and throughout the years of your ministry, if you're thankful for that, you ought to read about the role that our Baptist forefathers played in us having this. Amen. You ought to know about it. Amen i got to find where I'm at. I always mess these written lessons up. I want to read this real quick while I'm thinking about that. This is a book, Christian Doctrines. I, I want to say this. You may not like it, but I want to say this. I believe among our Baptist forefathers that we've got plenty of good witnesses If you would just look at them, I think you'd find out you don't need to go to anybody else. I think there's plenty of good witnesses that have lived right among our ranks. This book, J.M. Pendleton wrote this book. My friend, Brother Dell Compton, sent this to me in 1984. And I've enjoyed it. I've liked this book. But he wrote this in the preface of this book. He's buried not far from here, right next door to the Fairview Memorial uh, building. He said, My days are passing away, and I shall soon be numbered with the dead. I would not be entirely forgotten when I die. Still, my desire of posthumous fame comes within narrow limits. It amounts only to this, a wish that some profited by the compendium of theology may, when their kindness prompts them to go to my grave, thank God that I lived. And, you know, these people that I have talked about, I don't think they had any desire of posthumous fame. In fact, I doubt that very few of them even had an inkling of a thought that Robert Spencer would one day write their history. They were just serving the Lord. They were not looking for fame or anything like that. They were just serving the Lord and honoring the call that he had given them But I'm glad that their names have been recorded. Uh, There was a man uh, named James Ireland. And I'm going to read this before I quit. He spent five months in the jail there in Culpeper, Virginia. And right after being released from a five-month stay in prison, the next day he went to work trying to secure liberty for the Baptist people. The next day after getting out of prison for five months, he, uh, he went to the uh, inhabitants of Frederick and Culpeper County and started a petition and he took that petition to the man uh, in Williamsburg who was then the governor of Virginia and Ireland's request was this, that he be allowed to build a meeting house, it's a place to worship, and that he be allowed to preach without being molested for doing it. Uh, It's my understanding that he even got an Anglican person to sign the petition. God had to be in that. Well, by the grace of God, his request was granted. Now, he still had to go to trial, but... When he went back to trial, he had some ammunition then. And uh, and it proved to be very effective. And our history tells us that the door of religious liberty began to be opened for the Baptist people. And, oh, there's so many more that could be mentioned and so much more that could be said about that, but I just wanted to show you, like I said, a little snippet uh, showing you that, that uh, uh, you know, our people uh, played a great part, our forefathers played a great part in that. I want to read this. Lewis Payton Little wrote a book titled Imprisoned Preachers and Religious Liberty in Virginia. And I I said a moment ago, if you're thankful for what you have, you ought to read about it. He said this, he said, in the continued and uninterrupted use of any great blessing, we are prone to underestimate its value and minimize its importance. This is especially true with reference to the inestimable boon, religious liberty. Now listen to this. He said, there is an inclination on the part of many to enjoy the fruit of the tree without even looking up to see whence it came. I think that's true of us, don't you? That, uh, you know, we enjoy the fruit of the tree and haven't really... Uh, examine where it came from. But we should. We should. Thank God and may he bless the memory of such a great cloud of witnesses. We have a great heritage. Thank you for listening today.